Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievistries. And here is this week's story. This is the story of a cyber crime. It's the kind of crime that happens to people who are naive, hopeful, desperate, or careless. And unfortunately, the protagonist of our story happened to be a little bit of everything. It starts off as a very simple scam. A scam that you've probably heard of before and you've wondered who falls for this. But as you will see in the story, there are depths to this very simple scam. It takes us to some very, very strange places. And while you hear the story, at many points, you will stop and want to stare at the victim in disbelief, wondering why they don't stop. But in these moments, I just want to remind you that sometimes the wrong person at the wrong time in the wrong circumstances can take some very wrong decisions. This is one of the first cases that was cracked by the Uttarakhand police in regards to cybercrime. And here is how it goes. The year is 2007 and 23-year-old Anuradha is working as an assistant accountant at a hotel in Rishikesh. This hotel used to be a former palace which was created in 1910-1911 and it retains all of its beauty and majesty and grandeur. And that's one of the reasons why she had wanted to work here in the first place. Now, she takes up the job and she's been working for two years at the point where our story starts. Initially, things were wonderful. She was very happy with her job, happy with her pay. But two years later, things are very different. And the reason for that is this. A year before our story starts, Anuradha lost her father. And because of that, she had become the sole breadwinner of the family. Her family consisted of her mother, her brother and herself. And her brother was still in college. He was a little young, a little immature, a little irresponsible. She was waiting for him to grow up and help out in the family. But until then, she had to take the burden of all these responsibilities. And money was running a bit tight. It's around this time that her mother is also pressuring her to get married. But Anuradha is telling her mother that she wants some more time. She wants to become a little more financially stable, a little more independent before she settles down in her personal life. Now in October of 2007, on the very day of her younger brother's birthday, she is at work. It's been a long, full day at work and she's pretty tired at the end of the day. She can't wait to switch off her computer and leave the office and head back home. Now, as she's about to switch off her computer, an email drops 
into her inbox. The subject line of this email immediately grabs her attention. The subject line says this. It says, you have won 2,50,000 pounds in a lottery. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And can't believe what she's reading. She tries to refresh, but every single time she does it, the email still remains there. This is not a dream. This is reality. Or so she thinks. Now, a more savvy person would have known this for what it is, which is at best spam and at worst a scam. But Anuradha was not in that place of mind. She was craving money. She was frustrated by her economic situation. She wanted this more than she was able to be suspicious of it. This email had suddenly bypassed her critical thinking and she had gone into this wishful thinking mode. So what if she hadn't bought a lottery ticket? As long as the money was coming to her, she shouldn't think too much. She opens the email, inspects it. It seems fine to her. And so she replies to the email with her personal details. Now, as soon as she does it, she gets a reply. In this reply, she is told to get in touch with a Mr. Andrew. In this email is provided Andrew's email address, his fax number and his telephone numbers. She sends an email to this Mr. Andrew and immediately he replies back. He asks her how she would like to receive her lottery winnings. And she sends an email back saying she would like it via wire transfer. Now these emails are taking place quick and fast. It's a flurry of email communication and all the tiredness that she had felt at the beginning of this exchange, all of that has vanished. It's now replaced with this excitement, this adrenaline because she's done the math according to the exchange rate of the time. This 250,000 pounds was going to make her a crorepati. It was going to be close to 2 crore rupees in 2007. However, pretty soon she gets an email from Andrew with some very significant information. In this email, Andrew tells her that before she can get her lottery winnings, she has to transfer 1,27,000 rupees to a payment officer called Victor Kelvin. Andrew goes on to explain that this money has to be paid to the British Revenue Department so that they can release her lottery winnings. Now it's a very strange request, but Anuradha doesn't see it that way. She has completely bought this scam and instead of questioning why they were asking her for money, she starts thinking about how she's going to pay them. She looks through her accounts and she realizes that all she has is 80,000 rupees in her account. She still needs 47,000 rupees more. Now, as she's thinking about how she's going to get this additional 47,000 rupees, she gets a phone call. It's from her mother. Her mother's extremely worried because she stayed very late in office. Her mother tells her to come back soon because it's also her younger brother's birthday. And so Anuradha switches off the computer and heads out of the hotel. 
gets on her second hand scooter and drives home all the way she's thinking about how she's going to get this extra 47000 rupees and then in the morning the solution presents itself to her she remembers that the hotel where she is working at it has a vault this vault had been shown to her by the senior accountant a man called vijay and when he had shown her the vault she had seen an eye popping amount of money they used to keep the money and important documents in this vault and so far she had never thought about it twice never been tempted by it until now suddenly when she thinks of the vault she realizes that this 47000 is not going to be too big a problem to get so that day she reaches work early and she settles into work she waits for the senior accountant vijay eventually comes into work he goes into his cabin he prays to the gods and sits down for a day of work now she is waiting for vijay to leave his cabin unattended for a while so she can go inside and look for the keys to the vault and today happens to be her lucky day because vijay emerges from the cabin before lunch and he says that he has to go out for some work and as soon as he leaves she sneaks into his office and starts hunting for the keys she eventually finds it it's in a drawer of his desk it's kept under a newspaper she picks up the keys and tiptoes to the vault opens it and in it she sees it's filled with money she quickly grabs five bundles and stuffs it into her handbag as she's doing it her heart is hammering against her rib cage she comes back out and she goes to the receptionist and she tells the receptionist that she too is heading out for some urgent work now she leaves the hotel clutching this bulging handbag tightly and she makes her way to the bank while she's going there she is not feeling very good she's constantly feeling uncomfortable because she's never done something like this before she's always been diligent she's always been honest she's never stolen or robbed from anyone before she's never been raised to do something like this but now here she is with this unbelievable immoral transgression but she's able to calm herself down soothe herself and justify her actions by telling herself that she's not stealing this money she's merely borrowing it and the minute she gets her lottery money in she's going to quietly and diligently replace all of this money back in the vault and so she gets to the bank she puts this money into her account and that very afternoon she transfers it and writes an email to victor kelvin now as she writes this email victor kelvin replies and he says that tomorrow she will get all her money that day she heads home and she cannot contain her excitement in a matter of hours she is going to be richer beyond her wildest dreams she looks at her mother looks at her brother and she has this urge to tell them about how rich they're all going to be but she decides that she'll wait 
until the money has come in and then surprise the family the next morning she rushes to work and opens her bank account but unfortunately the money hasn't come in yet that day she can barely pay attention at work she's completely lost her focus all she wants to do is refresh her banking accounts and every time she does it unfortunately the crores don't come tumbling in finally at the end of the day when the money hasn't reflected in her account she finally sends an email to the lottery company and she doesn't get a reply she wouldn't get a reply for the next 2 days then on the third day her heart skips a beat because suddenly she sees she's gotten a phone call from Victor Calvin she picks up the phone and Victor Calvin has some very important updates to give her Victor Calvin tells her that unfortunately the lottery company could not wire transfer her money so instead they'll be sending a representative of the company to India with the money this representative's name is michael william now here's the catch she has to transfer another 1 lakh 20000 rupees as courier charges for michael william it's a lot of money and she thinks about it but immediately her mind leaps to the vault and she replies saying she'll send the money by the next day by the next day she has sent the money and when she sends the money victor calvin calls her again and this time he has another important update this time he tells her that her money has been frozen by the united nations anti terrorism foundation he then tells her that now she has to pay 2 lakh 38500 rupees to get the united nations anti terrorism foundation to release the money again this is a lot of money and the excuses are getting more and more ludicrous but anuradha is too far in the law of winning this gigantic amount of money via the lottery is too much she does the calculations and she realizes so what if she has to give a few lakhs the amount she's going to get will far outweigh the amount she's giving and so she dips back into the vault and transfers 2 lakh 38500 rupees more then she gets a call the next day from michael william and he tells her that he is going to be in rishikesh the very next day and he is going to be staying at a place called hotel ma ganga and she should meet him there to collect the first installment of her money that night again she can't sleep she's hours away finally the money has reached india she's about to be rich at the next day she gets up early she's excited she doesn't even eat breakfast because hotel maganga was a four star property that was just a walking distance away from her house so she rushes to this hotel she almost runs to it she gets to the hotel goes up to the receptionist and tells her that she's here to meet 
Michael William. The receptionist picks up the phone, dials a number, speaks to somebody and then tells her that she should go to the second floor to room number 205. Now Anuradha practically flies up the stairs, gets to the second floor, finds room number 205. The door is already slightly open. She pushes it open further and she peeps inside. In the room is a tall, middle-aged African man with burgundy curly hair. She looks at him and she asks him if he's Michael William. He says he is. He asks her to come inside and shut the door behind her. Now, she's extremely nervous. But the law of getting this money overpowers that urge. She goes inside the room and shuts the door behind her. She then sits down on a sofa. Michael William now pulls out a sleek brown briefcase. He places it on a table and runs his thumbs over the number lock. The briefcase with a click opens and Anuradha cranes her neck to see what's inside. And inside she sees five packets of green paper. These papers are the size of currency notes. Along with these green papers are some bottles, glass bottles that are filled with a mysterious liquid. Michael William now pulls out a single green paper. He then places it in front of her and picks up a glass bottle. He opens the glass bottle and she sees that there's some blue liquid inside. And then she watches as Michael William takes this solution and applies it to the green paper. And as he does this, suddenly, miraculously, in front of her eyes, this green paper turns into a hundred US dollar bill. Now, this is a very famous trick that scamsters do and it's known by several names, but most famously as the black money scam. So, Anuradha doesn't know this at this point and she's just bewildered. She doesn't know what to make of this and finally she voices out her concern. She says that she's here to take the first installment of her lottery. She doesn't want to see these magic tricks. But that's when Michael William tells her that the green papers in the briefcase are her lottery winnings. He says that they couldn't bring in cash through the customs. So the company had turned the pounds into dollars and then they had coated them with a substance and made them look like green paper. Now he says that once you apply the solution, the paper turns into US dollar bills and there you have it. That's your money. Now it's a bizarre thing to say, but she's seen the demonstration and eventually Michael William is able to convince her that this indeed is the truth. And that's when he tells her the catch. He says that while he was transporting the money and the bottles, unfortunately, four glass bottles broke in transit. So now he has to go back to Delhi and get more solution for her. And for that, she will have to pay a further six lakh rupees. Now she leaves the hotel in a dizzy. 
and she doesn't know what to make of all of this but eventually she decides to give in she pays this money and as she does she gets a call from michael william and he tells her that unfortunately he got caught by delhi police at the border and which is why she has to now get in touch with victor calvin she calls victor calvin victor calvin says oh don't worry i'll send another person with your money and the bottles but you'll just have to pay another 33000 she pays the money and finally a doctor edward appears in haridwar he calls her to a hotel she reaches there and doctor edward finally gives her her money the money is again in the form of green papers and he gives her solutions and he gives her a detailed set of instructions she takes all of this and heads home finally ecstatic happy she's got the first installment of her money she gets home and very diligently follows all the instructions that dr edward has given she takes these green papers and applies the solution to them and then she places them as the doctor had said in the refrigerator now the whole day she would keep opening the fridge and seeing if the green papers had turned into dollar bills but no matter how many times she opened the fridge the green papers remained just that pieces of green paper now she is extremely disappointed she is extremely betrayed and she finally calls up victor calvin and she asks him what's going on i've got these green papers i've applied the solution i put them in the fridge but they don't turn into money and victor calvin says oh that's strange i'm sorry you know what we'll do this time i myself will give you your money and the solutions all you have to do is come to delhi and meet me at vasant vihar and don't forget get 4 lakh rupees more she goes to delhi reaches vasant vihar but when she calls victor calvin his phone is off now she calls michael william michael william picks up and he tells her oh don't be at vasant vihar why don't you come to connaught place and so she goes to connaught place but michael william is not there she calls him again he says oh sorry did i say connaught place i meant india gate and in this weird cruel fashion they kept making her run all across delhi finally at the end of the day she's tired she's battered and she's completely hopeless she takes the night bus back to rishikesh and on this night bus she gets this cold sinking feeling she realizes now after all this time that she has been swindled she realizes that all these lakhs that she's put into it they're all gone and it's on this bus that she decides to come clean about her crime the next day she goes into work and speaks to the senior accountant her boss vijay and she comes clean she tells him everything and as she's telling the story vijay's jaw is dropping further and further he can't believe that such a diligent person had fallen for the scam and then gone to such lengths to see it through vijay then informs the manager of the hotel who immediately goes to the cops they file two fir's the first fir is filed on the behalf of anuradha against michael victor and edward for cheating her 
the second FIR is filed on the behalf of the hotel against Anuradha. Now, when these FIRs are filed and the police begin looking into it, here's how they do it. The Uttarakhand police, they set up a special task force. This task force is headed by the deputy superintendent of the police or DSP Surjit. And under him are Inspector Rishi Chamola and two more constables. Now, they begin tracking down these suspects and they do it with a three-pronged strategy. Number one, they are trying to track the account into which this money was deposited and see if they can get a lead through that. The second is that they want to look into the IP addresses of the computers from where these emails were sent. And the third was going to be to look into the mobile numbers which had called Anuradha. Now the police get cracking and the first thing they do is that they go down the banking route. They land up at the branch from which Anuradha had made the transaction and sent the money into a beneficiary account and they ask for the details of this beneficiary account. The bank is a private bank and they can't help out immediately. So the cops go to the headquarters of the bank in Mumbai. When they look into the KYC of this beneficiary account, they find out that this account was made using the driver's license and the photographs of a man who had died seven years ago. What's more, when they look into the bank account, they find out that the money had been transferred very rapidly from one account to another. They find out that it's not just one or two accounts that this money has been transferred to. It's been transferred across several accounts. In this sequence, there are about eight accounts. The final one, the eighth one, belonged to a Panipuriwala in Mumbai. Now, they were able to find this person and they interrogated him. And when they did, he told them an incredible story. He tells them that a while back, a few people had approached him and told him that if they made an account in his name, they were willing to give him a pension every month. The Panipuriwala, in need of money, agreed to this. And indeed, money had been transferred into that account. He had got a pension for a few months. But then after that, the pension had dried up. The money had gone away. And after that, the Panipuriwala had forgotten about this account. It had remained dormant and inactive. But little did this man know that just a few days back, 11 lakh rupees had passed through his account. That's when the police find out that these suspects are using the IDs of innocent people to create bank accounts in which they would conduct their criminal activities. Now, the banking route is not yielding any results, so they move on to the phone numbers. As usual, as you would expect, the phone numbers too were made using fake IDs. But they were able to trace these numbers and they saw that these suspects were constantly moving between Mumbai, Kolkata and Delhi. Now, it's around this time that they get a major lead. The lead is this. They find out that one of the suspects is traveling from Mumbai to Delhi. He's going to be arriving at Indira Gandhi International Airport. And so the task force swings into action. They decide that they're going to set up a trap and nab 
one of these suspects. Here's how they do it. There's a lot of policemen who have arrived at Indira Gandhi International Airport. And along with them is Anuradha. She's got her head covered by a scarf and her job is to look at the arrivals gate. As she sees people coming out, if she sees the suspect, all she has to do is nod. And if she nods, the police will arrest the person. Now, the flight arrives at Indira Gandhi International Airport and people start streaming out. DSP Surjit is standing right next to Anuradha. And as the people start coming out, he notices that Anuradha has started shivering. He looks at where she's looking and sees a tall, dark man with curly hair. And he's got a bag slung across his shoulder and he's wearing sunglasses. Now he's about to call in the arrest and ask his men to nab this person. But just then, Anuradha starts shaking her head vigorously. It's not the man. This whole operation was a complete washout and DSP Surjit finds himself empty-handed once more. Throughout all of these incidents, the police have told Anuradha to keep in constant touch with the suspects. Now, this was done for two reasons. Number one was to not let them know that an investigation was going on. And number two was that the longer they stayed in touch with her, the easier it would be to track them. And this strategy eventually pays results. Because here's what happens. She gets a call from Michael. And Michael tells her that Anuradha, we're sorry for everything. We're now going to give you the second part of your money along with the solutions. He tells her that he's going to be sending three people with this money and the solutions and that they will come to Rishikesh and she can collect it from them. Now, the police tell her that she should agree to this and lead them on but not transfer any more money. They're very clear on that part. Now, here's what happens. She gets a call from a man called Peter. Peter tells her that he's going to be the one who will bring her money and the solutions. He tells her that he won't be coming alone. He will be accompanied by another Nigerian man and a Northeastern woman. He tells her that they'll be in Rishikesh and he gives her a location, a date and a time. He then asks her a question. He says, when we see you, how will we recognize you? And Anuradha tells him that she'll be wearing a red shawl. Now, Anuradha promptly passes all this information to the police. And DSP Surjit is excited. He finally has one more opportunity to nab these suspects. And so he formulates a plan. Now, this plan would hinge on Anuradha bravely being a part of it. Here's what the plan would be. They knew of the location where Peter had asked to meet Anuradha. And so the police decide to stake this location out. They would be stationed at various points. Then Anuradha would go to the location and meet Peter. When she meets Peter and ascertains his identity, she would give a sign to the cops. The sign would be very simple. All she would do 
is shed her shawl. The second the cops see that, they would swing into action. And so, the day arrives. Anuradha reaches the spot where she is asked to come. And she's got a red shawl. Now the sun sets. It's around 7pm and a cold wind is blowing. And Anuradha wraps the shawl tighter around her. And that's when she gets a call. It's a call from Peter. He says that they'll be arriving in half an hour. Now as she gets this call, suddenly the nervousness starts kicking in. Because now she's in the thick of it. She's part of a mission. She doesn't know how this is going to go down. All around her, DSP Surjit has stationed a lot of policemen. They're all observing her and she's safe. But yet she can feel this excitement, this nervousness. Now, when this call had come in, the police had tracked the number and they can see it approaching closer and closer. As this number gets close to the location where Anuradha is standing, the police too tighten up. Any moment now, it's at that point that a tempo arrives at the spot and three people get out. There are two Nigerians and a woman from the Northeast. They walk up to Anuradha. And one of them introduces himself. He says, he's Peter. And with him are Oscar and Prachi. Now, as soon as Anuradha confirms their identity, she just takes off her shawl. That was the sign. As soon as she takes off the shawl, the police who've been watching it swing into action. They run out of their positions and pounce on these suspects. The suspects seeing them are startled, surprised, but they make a run for it. Now, DSP Surjit has been running marathons and he's pretty good at foot races. So he runs after one of the suspects and after a long chase, he's able to catch one of the men. This person is Oscar. Peter and Prachi are also apprehended and the three of them are arrested. Now in their possession, they were able to find a bag. And in this bag, there were dollar bills, there were fake passports, there was the green paper and the solutions. Now, these three people would eventually hand over the address of Edward. But when the police would land up at Edward's house, they would find that Edward has gone. But they do find several other articles that they use as evidence that they will later use in the trial. They were able to eventually track down Michael and Edward. And they did this by turning the tables on the cyber criminals. Here's what happened. They sent an email from Anuradha to Michael and Edward. This email had a link. And when they clicked on the link, their computers became traceable. And it's through this method that the cops were finally able to triangulate where they were. They were in Chanakyapuri in Delhi. And from there, they were arrested. All of them would eventually be tried and they would be sentenced to six years in jail along with a financial penalty. The court also decided that they would be deported as soon as their jail terms were served. It was found out that there were a gang of five Nigerians who were led by Victor Calvin who had been committing these frauds over several years across 12 states in the country. 
now it was an extremely well executed deeply rooted and well rehearsed plan that criss crossed across the digital and the physical world and it would be extremely difficult to catch any of them had it not been for the extremely hard smart and tenacious work by the uttarakhand police as for anuradha she would serve a jail sentence too at the end of it she would come out and resume her life in rishikesh but it is safe to say that she is never going near a lottery ever again so that's it from this episode i hope you enjoyed it if you did then please leave a like and a comment and if you have heard of or know of any other such scams then please do let us know in the comment section below because i think it's important to spread the word and stay away from all these different weird types of scams uh, by the way in case you are interested in more such stories then let me tell you that this particular story was taken from an excellent book called cyber encounters this book is by ashok kumar and op manocha and it has some fantastic stories in it if you want to know more about it you can head over to penguins youtube channel where they have a 1 minute video which talks about all the other cases in this book as usual every single episode of second hand stories is shot in front of a live audience all of these people are here because they clicked on a link and it wasn't a scammy one If you too would like to be a part of the live recordings all you have to do is become a member of the channel members will very soon also get exclusive new stories just for them so that's it from this story until next time take care and bye bye